tough time losing losing your brother. Tell us a bit about how you guys handled that situation. Well, interesting enough, um, it wasn't handled well. I think most families, when they have a, a grief and experience a grief, um, there's not necessarily a book you read on how to respond. And in my family situation, the choice at the time was not to discuss the grief. So um, as a younger brother, I wasn't allowed to attend the funeral um, the my picture of my brother was taken out of frames and removed from the house. We went to discuss him. Um, it was a, a shut up shop sort of scenario of sort of suppressing the grief, which had huge complications to myself and my other brothers uh, through our teenage years. Wow, mate! And did you guys have a religious background at all? Yeah, brought up in uh, Catholic background, um, so we did. We we had an uh, understanding of what church was. Um, we had an understanding of a faith. Uh, it was a distant faith. It wasn't a relational faith. So um, it, it was sort of born into it <laughs> rather than sort of inherited the, the understanding of it. And I think we were so young at the time. So um, we all then made independent decisions as we got older our teenage years either to escape that and run away or to embrace it in another form. So. And what about your personal journey? When, when was your faith journey begun, uh, you know, in, yeah. in, in earnest? Yeah, for, for me it was very much a situation where I had been, as I said, brought up in a church. I knew God that, but my God uh, that I had in my mind was a distant God and was a uh, one that sort of dished out punishment rather than love and compassion. And so... There was no relational connection until much later in my life, until I lived through some pretty turbulent teenage years, um, discovering who I was and sort of dealing with that grief in the past and um, some other issues through to being age 18 where I found a personal relationship with Christ. And was there a big change in your life? Massive change. <laughs> um, incredible change. At the time, I was struggling with some drug addiction issues and um, I was in a hospital setting um, in the southern suburbs of Sydney being under treatment um, 
for uh, drug-related addiction and uh, nothing was working. Um, and then through this faith experience that I had where I was encountered with a, a God that would have a relationship with me, um, I it was a complete 360 turn and a complete release from the addiction into a totally new lifestyle, a new life. Wow. And tell us a bit about your early career. What were you doing uh, after school? Uh, so after school, just in the end of school, I actually played squash for New South Wales. I was a uh, junior squash player and I went into coaching. Um, and then so I had aspirations at the time to be a teacher, and so, but I didn't get the marks to get me through because of my then a drug addiction. So I failed all my final exams. So it wasn't until I guess I was 18 and found faith that I decided that I wanted to do a career path that sort of gave back to the community rather than take away from it. So that took me on a number of pathways. I sort of uh, worked in motel management and marketing. I worked in insurance for a period of time and then found myself employed in a church as a youth minister uh, at the age of 22 and so was in full-time ministry uh, for a large period of my life and then had a yearning to be sort of back in the workforce uh, as salt and light and went into sports ministry and then from there sort of um, went into not-for-profit and worked for the Salvation Army, Martyr Hospital Foundation and then now Wesley Mission Queensland. Wow, you've certainly had uh, a, a great career. Let's let's backtrack a bit. Where, whereabouts were a youth, mis- youth minister at? So I was a youth minister in Hobart. So I was basically, I was started, sorry, my home church was in uh, Sydney, south mm-hmm. southern Sydney, and so part of a great um, youth movement. When Youth Alive started, I was there and various uh, aspirations back then and um, then got transferred with my job uh, in insurance to Tasmania as a state manager and then picked up the mantle there of youth work in Hobart and was a youth pastor and Youth Alive director there for 10 years before moving and pioneering a church in the northern suburbs of Brisbane that brought me up here. Wow, which church in Brisbane were you at? So I pioneered the Kalanga Christian Family Church. Um, so that was a, a outreach church out of Northside at the time. And so um, started with a handful of people and grew that church and was uh, functioning as senior pastor for seven, eight years of, um, before changes took place uh, back into sport and back into sports ministry. So let's talk a bit about sports chaplaincy. Uh, you know, there's a, a lot of people listening that love their AFL and yep. there's some people listening that love the Lions. <laughs> What's it like working with the Lions? <laughs> Growing, hopefully. <laughs> um, oh, look, it's a privilege. Um, I've been a... So I started off my sports chaplaincy. Obviously, I had a heart. I played a lot of sport and playing squash and coaching and various things. I had a real heart to uh, reach back into the sports ministry uh, side of things and I was offered a um, a position at the Goodwill Games back in Brisbane uh, when it was here and I signed up as a volunteer but when they looked at my resume they said oh look we think you're better suited as a chaplain and would you be the chaplain on call at the athletics for the second week of the Goodwill Games and so uh, that was um, a role I played and really loved that privilege of praying for athletes in different countries and being that support system to them through that period of time. And then that led me to look into Sports Chaplaincy and connect with Sports Chaplaincy Australia, did my training, and then ended up as the chaplain of the Gold Coast Suns in their first two years. Mm. Uh, their inaugural year in the reserves grade before they were AFL, and then 
was approached by Brisbane Lions to be their chaplain uh, 10 years ago. So I've been with the Lions for 10 years. And that job is a, a visible, available job. It's a volunteer role, but it's a real privilege to work in an incredible team of uh, wellbeing um, management and welfare officers and wellbeing officers that uh, have great connection with the players. And I'm part of that uh, with the sports psychologist as well to add support to the players and critical incident um, experience with them as well, whether it be funerals or grief counselling or uh, marriages as a marriage celebrant or uh, whatever really they need me, it's the role that I play. Mm, Such an important role in uh, sporting teams these days. And I've chatted to uh, my buddy Paul Morrow, who works for the West Coast Eagles. And uh, I've chatted to our mutual friend, Bill Hunter, who was with the Broncos for many years. And and I've I've heard them share about all the things, you know, it's you've got to be willing to do anything when you're a chaplain. Really, there's so many things they get you to do. But uh, I'm curious to know, like, is there uh, a Bible study you run? Like, is there a bunch of them that are Christians that are really keen for that kind of thing? Or is it more just the, the social side of things? Uh, look, it's both. And it depends on sort of the players and the club. So uh, obviously our roles uh, come under a leadership and a management, usually of the football manager. Um, our role sits in that wellbeing space. So it's, uh, I'm privileged. I have a real um, great connection and um, I guess a 10-year experience at the club. So uh, the doors for me are open quite wide to uh, be engaged with the players and support them through every circumstance. So not everyone has that opportunity and that privilege in the clubs as sports chaplains, but I'm privileged to do so. So at different times, we've had uh, players request. Um, we had faith and footy sessions where we sort of did... Uh, looked at how our faith applied in the in the football context and that was uh, Bible study driven and sort of etc. However, I think the great caution when we are chaplains within the sporting community is that we're seen as chaplain to the whole club. Yeah. And so I've been very careful and I give advice to other chaplains that they're not seen just as the Christian chaplain to the Christian players. That we play a role within those players that it can be different to other players but we're seen as a chaplain to the whole club. So my role extends not only to the players and the managers and the coaches, but it, it includes the, you know, people working in the uniform store through to the trainers, through to the uh, people in administration or sponsorship or uh, membership. So um, my congregation, if you like, extends to the whole club. So in order for that to be effective, we've got to be really uh, careful not to be seen as just, a chaplain to those four players or five players but I've got a number of players that um, have faith and I support them in their faith journey Um, I have many players that I support that don't have a faith journey but ask a lot of questions along the way well it's an important role and uh, we pray God blesses you uh, as you uh, minister to the whole club uh, at the lines there uh, doing a great job mate and uh, the other big area that you work in is uh, Wesley Mission Queensland and I've had a few friends that have worked there over the years. Um, I, I know a little bit about the organisation, but for those who don't know, tell us about the heart of uh, Wesley Mission. Yeah, Wesley Mission Queensland is um, basically a mission of the United Church that reaches out to uh, people in need and compassion within our community. So my role as fundraising general manager looks after in excess of 90 services. So that extends from aged care to childcare, a very big footprint in the area of disability, homelessness, 
suicide prevention and mental health um, through to hospice work, uh, Hummingbird House, through to Hopewell Hospice, um, Young Care. You know, so various uh, agencies come underneath us. Uh, not every one of those require fundraising support, but a large number do. And so we've got strategies to support those services in my role. So um, we're, it's, a, it's a great organisation to work for because it's in the heart of mission and love and compassion that we give out to the community and provide the services. And so we're, we're extended right throughout the Queensland state, but mainly in the um, Brisbane corner, southeast corner of our services. And I know that uh, a while back, I remember seeing you did this uh, red bag appeal and you had the Broncos come along and did the Lions come as well? How did that go? They sure did. So the red bag appeals are an appeal that um, specifically uh, aims to help those families doing it tough at Christmas. So it's a three-month appeal where we sort of, uh, we ask people in the community to fill a red bag uh, with Christmas hamper goods, spoiling them at Christmas, giving them the opportunity to have a Christmas. Uh, they fill it up, they get the bags from the nominated National Storage Centre, they return it uh, by the end of November and then we re- we go through, obviously, due diligence, looking at dates and uh, repack some of those bags and then we give those bags out to needy families over a period of time, three weeks before, before Christmas. So our aim this year is to actually raise $100,000 for those services but also to distribute 5,000 bags to 5,000 families. So, uh, And we're on target to do that this year, which is very exciting because of the generosity of the Brisbane public. You know, I know that Wesley Mission also does a lot for the homeless. You know, I, I help run a soup kitchen and uh, we pick up people from all the homeless shelters and, and uh, often they'll say, oh, yeah, we go to the Wesley Mission feed. Like, you guys put on a meal or something each week, do you? We do. We have community meal for That's about a- 140 people, uh, uh, clients, and uh, people in need in our community on a Wednesday night. We run a, a barbecue also on the weekend. Uh, we will see in excess of about 750 clients a week um, through that service, but that increases to 1,200 over a Christmas period. Wow. So it's an extremely busy service. Uh, we don't just give out food. You know, we're Together with that food, there's given an opportunity to sort of see the real needs of the person that we're speaking to that might require financial assistance or housing assistance um, or mental health support or clinical support in medical areas. So we've got trained counsellors that sort of can uh, identify issues that may be life-saving in these people's situation, but it comes out of a red bag. So it's a a really terrific um, service that really fills a need. Mm, Wonderful. And just before you mentioned Hummingbird House... For those who don't know what that organisation does, tell us about it. Yeah, so Hummingbird House is Queensland's only children's hospice uh, based here at Chermside in the north of Brisbane. Free service for families, and there's 3,700 families at any given time that have children uh, in, uh, in pregnancy through to age 18 that have life-limiting disease. It's a hospice. Uh, we provide respite help uh, and and times for parents and families to come visit the home. Uh, We'll look after their child while they can reconnect with their other children and their siblings. Uh, We then provide end-of-life care and we provide after-death care Mm. uh, in the grief space and um, the celebration of life as well. So it's an incredible, incredible um, place 
Um, a lot of people would think that's a place of sadness. It's a place of incredible joy as memories are made, and uh, it's a free service for all Queenslanders. Wow. What a fantastic uh, part of the organisation there with Wesley Mission Queensland. And so good to uh, hear what you guys are doing to make a difference uh, in Australia and also with the Brisbane Lions, mate. You do a great job. Uh, Paul Reese, I reckon you're a history maker. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Matt. Much appreciated. If you'd like to hear this conversation again, listen online anytime at historymakersradio.com. You'll also find links to all of our social media channels and you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast. History Makers is a faith-based ministry and we want to thank everyone for their generous support. If you've got a suggestion of anyone we should interview, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless. I'm Matt Prater. And my challenge to you now is to go and make history. This year is the 50th anniversary for the Bible League. They're celebrating all that God's done in their ministry and they're praying into all that He's going to do in the next 50 years. Ephesians 3.20 says that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to His power that's at work within us. To Him be the glory of the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. If you'd like to support the Bible League as they reach the generations to come, go to BibleLeague.com.au. Station sponsor.